0: Hello and welcome to the Geeks at the Gates. This is the first of our Thought Bubble 2020 specials, featuring interviews with people who would have had tables at Thought Bubble if Thought Bubble were going ahead in person. Thought Bubble is, of course, going ahead, and I can't stress this enough. Thought Bubble is happening this year. It's online. Go to thoughtbubblefestival.com for all the information you need. The Thought Bubble this year is free. There is a whole bunch of stuff going on online. Check out the website. There's there's more than I can possibly cover here. So go and check out the website and see what's going on. You do not want to miss it. If, incidentally, you are desperate to find out what happens uh, in our continuing Dungeons & Dragons adventure, do not worry. There will be another edition of The Geeks at the Gates this week in which... Eminon and Grit and Nix will continue their way through Helmsport. If you're wondering what's in the cellar, um, you'll, you'll find out. Uh, but for now, as I say, this is an interview with somebody who not only would have been at Thought Bubble in person if Thought Bubble were, were an in-person thing, but who it does have a stall at the virtual con. I was immensely privileged to sit down across the internet with. Writer Paul Cornell, uh, whose resume is long and hugely impressive. I have to fess up a little bit here. I don't think I did a particularly brilliant interview. I mean, it's you should listen because Paul's amazing. I sucked. And um, just to get my excuses in early, uh, I sucked a little bit at this because um, I'm a huge fan of Paul Cornell. And um, I was really, really trying not to fanboy out. And I didn't quite succeed. So if I come across occasionally as a little bit loud and a little bit gushing, that's why. So yeah, sorry about that. And apologies to Paul, who I spoke over several times, but there you go. Anyway, enough of my blethering do check out the show notes uh, over at www.destinationvenus.co.uk just click on the blog button at the top left of your screen and look for I Walk With Monsters uh, and you will find more information and links on the things that we have discussed in this interview. We'll be back later in the week with your Dungeons & Dragons adventures but for now, sit back and take in the wisdom of the brilliant Paul Cornell. Hello.
1: Can you hear me? I can hear you. Hello. Excellent.
0: Ah, well, thank you for joining me.
1: Thank you. It's very simple, isn't it? <laughs> this zoom thing.
0: Yeah, no, if, if one good thing came out of this whole lot Suddenly we have video phones. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so thank you for joining. I, I, I don't want to keep you too long, actually. That the whole idea of these is that they're the kind of interviews I would have done at your table if the tables actually existed.
1: Sure, that's great.
0: Because, I don't know, how, have you been to all the four levels?
1: Oh, Oh, no, by no means all. Um, I've been to the last six or seven
0: right I, I i don't I don't remember going to a thought ball where I didn't see you but i I haven't been to all of them either, so maybe we just fortuitously coincided
1: well once i once I started going i I kept going but um I'm, I'm sure it started before i start before I started going
0: yeah I th- Chloe's going to get cross with me now because she keeps reminding me how many there have been. I think this would have been the fourteenth right or f- possibly fifteenth mm and i really should know that
1: it was certainly still in the tents in the middle of leeds city centre when i first started going oh no 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 be- before that it was no, no, in i, re- I remember
0: yeah i remember meeting you in an, in in the marquee between the armory and the new dock hall yeah uh so yeah and then we had the the brilliant tents in the middle of leeds city centre
1: no, no. I must say the only the only thing I miss about the Leeds location is that Leeds is a fantastic city for social life. Perhaps the best the best provisions of bars, etc. I've ever encountered.
0: I'm inclined to agree. It's I mean clearly I am biased because I live in Harrogate. So obviously <laughs> the new location is <laughs> infinitely superior. But yes, Leeds is much more of a social city than Harrogate will ever be. And uh, so yeah, uh, on this- the other
1: hand. All, all- All you need
0: is that lovely convention center, Bella, really, so. Well, quite. I mean, it is very nice to have everybody in one place. Mm. Um, So, um, were we standing at your table at Thought Bubble? I guess what I'd really want to talk to you about is um, I Walk With Monsters. Uh, Absolutely. Which, which, thank you for sending me issue one. I enjoyed it massively. Oh, thank you, thank you. Uh, To the point that I I have, and this is, this is in no way intended to, for, as, a, as a sort of creepy, creeping sort of thing, but I have just upped my order.
1: Oh, that's that's exactly why we sent them out. I mean, that's the, uh, that's the end game for those. <laughs>
0: Thank you. Yeah. Um, obviously, I want to try and avoid spoilers, if I can,
1: but um,
0: mm. how would you describe I Walk With Monsters as a
1: story, as a tale? Um, a young woman and her friend the monster make their way across America um ripping abusive men to pieces.
0: That's as concise and elevated pitch as I've ever heard, and um it sums it up nicely, I think. Although but
1: There's also the um there's also flashbacks throughout the run uh, to how they got there. Mm. So it's both, and they reach a sort of heart of darkness where um they encounter something from our heroine's past.
0: Right. I that's certainly hinted at in issue one. Mm. But you've done you've done something that I always appreciate in an issue one of a comic, in that in, almost instantly, um, the first time we see the central character sort of tied to a chair, I don't think that's a spoiler, it's on page one, um, mm. I was in instantly engaged and okay who is this and why aren't they afraid?
1: Mm. And we, we, we talked at length about that scene with the vault um, the um, one of the lovely things about the vault is, as the publisher is that they their first conversations with me were about ethics, and um,
0: that's referring, you
1: know, yeah, hugely, and um, you know that scene has um, descriptions, panel descriptions in it. Like he holds up the scalpel, which is the least important thing in this frame. Um, we we I mean, this is before Sally Cantorino came along uh, on board as the artist, yeah. so you know we wanted to make sure that the artist would um emphasize the right things because i can see that drawn in a sort of 90s um <laughs> yeah with sort exactly.
0: the sort of the scalpel coming out out of the frame towards the yes. eye of the audience yeah
1: yeah and um, it's not that it's, it's it's the opposite of that it's um where um a comic about cycles of abuse and about male violence and um we're not a comic that actually shows that very much and we're certainly not a comic that dwells on it. Indeed, apart from our heroine J.C. being tied to a chair at the start, we, I was just asked a question the other day and we had a little think and we don't think we actually have any scenes of violence against women. Um, there's um... That's also refreshing, I have to say. There's certainly, there's certainly lots implied in her backstory but mm-hmm. we certainly never see it. Um, and um, You know, it's important um, for me that I I get to tell this story because it is a story I'm very personally invested in um, because um, of my own history. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so the story being from JC's point of view all the time, that we're, you know, um, that it's her story. And... uh, you know it's it, these things are really important and wow when sally came on board and with her uh, dervla kelly as the co um, we we've got an art team that's really committed to um, to telling that story in a, in a in the right way in an ethical way and um, also wow she's a great artist she's one of the great comics artists you know that
0: that that first issue just looks stunning Both in terms Mm. of the the line work and the coloring, the the palette just
1: works. I think I've been fortunate enough to catch a great comics artist on the ground floor, Uh, and we won't be able to afford her in a bit. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No. Perfect. Perfect timing. Um. Mm. So that's your that's your latest um,
1: comics. Out Um, out on the 25th of November. Which is my birthday, so thank you for that. Well, hey, it was originally out on my wife's birthday. (laughs) (laughs) But but we got moved back back, uh, two weeks. Yeah. Was that as a result of
0: of the pandemic or was that just a thing that happened?
1: It, It was a marketing thing. (laughs) <laughs> they want you to put a, a little space between titles in order to get, do a proper publicity bounce for all their titles. And uh, I've got to say, that seems to have been a good decision. It's, the publicity has been huge. It's been great.
0: The Vault do that very well. They are The Vault are probably my very favourite publisher, actually, as a, both as a reader and as a retailer. Um, as a retailer, Vault are the only publisher so far whose head has phoned me to find out how they can help retailers. And we're I, not like the same continent, so you know they really yeah. they, they they are a great company I,
1: I get that feeling i mean the um they are amazing to work with from the inside as well um well I've been involved in discussions of all aspects of the book, including aspects I've never been asked about before um yeah. and um their marketing certainly seems to be very tuned in and very tuned in also to what you need what hmm
0: very much so. Um, yeah, and I'm I'm pleased to hear that they're a good good group to work with as well, because mm. I would have been very disappointed if they turned out to be horrid. <laughs> it's, it's always a
1: possibility these days, isn't it? But no, they're great. Um, but I mean, you've worked
0: with a lot of companies. I mean, I know you've done work with Marvel. You've done work with DC. Very much, very much a big fan of uh, Sorcerer Country and Saucer ah, State. Yeah,
1: um, I miss that a great deal. Um,
0: Am I right in thinking you've got the rights to that back?
1: Um, stuff's happening. Okay. I'll, I'll That's, the, That's as I'll, far as that goes. I was going to say, <laughs> I'll let <load> the <laughs>
0: smile and, and ask no further. But uh, good, because I really it, love that it, concept.
1: It's not with IDW anymore. And, um, yeah, uh, it, it might, might take a while for stuff to happen, so I don't want to say too much. But sure. um, I really, really want to finish that story. I mean, you know, Trump and Trumpism have happened in the Gap. And, yeah. Um, it's, um, we, we were just starting to hint about him at the end of the, the last run. Um, at the end of the last run, well, we revealed Putin is going to be a major villain in this book. And, um, you know, it'd be nice to finish that thought. Yeah. you were oddly um, prophetic. I I think that I can see an awful lot of stuff in the current political situation that um, the way that uh, Trumpism has played into conspiracy theories and consciously yeah. used them as a political force, that's right there in Sourcer Country. Mm-hmm. And um, the um, Sourcer Country is a book, by the way, of Country and its sequel, Sourcer State, are books about um, US politics and UFO and ufology. And... Um, when they released those um uh cockpit ancient cockpit camera um footage of um uh, supposed ufo's over the states mm-hmm. with um a strangely unskeptical pentagon commentary about them <laughs> um I, I thought well yeah this is simply the the simply the um the state of affairs we outlined in saucer state continuing mm. that um the american government uses uh, the UFO phenomenon for all sorts of purposes. It's... And I think I think in that case they were trying to they, they they for a long time they conned the Soviet Union into thinking that the, the Americans had a, a UFO. Mm-hmm. And um I think they're trying to con somebody else right now. But anyway, anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah no it's funny you should say that actually because when when I saw that footage, because I'm a I'm a proper Space Geek. I like the real stuff. Uh, and I'm always a little bit Disappointed when footage like that is re- is released by official channels so uncritically. Um, the first thing I thought of was source source estate. It, it just seems so
1: really. It, I think I think I think what we what we outlined in source State is true basically. <laughs> um, I, that they, well, it, there, there may or may not be aliens, but. Definitely, you are, you, ufology. It was created by U.S. intelligence.
0: I think you're probably right, and certainly, even if it wasn't created by them, it's certainly been very much used and usurped. Would be mm. my would be my assessment as a as a space geek. It's uh,
1: mm. so. I'm I'm a, I'm a very skeptical follower of UFO lore. Um, I wouldn't say I'm a skeptic with a K. Because I think a load of people, um, a load of witnesses, are just telling the truth about what they feel they saw. For sure. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Um, but, um, but on the other hand, um, I think the percentage of, you know, possible actual real stuff there is within the margin of error of non-existent.
0: I, I certainly, I mean, I, I hang out with astronomers and stuff, And I've seen an awful lot of stuff that looks astonishingly weird in the sky, Mm. that people know know what they're talking about oh yeah, that's a rocket launch. Yeah, I know exactly what that is.
1: The the first time you see a satellite go over, and Mm. uh, you think, well, that's too high for a plane, and then it simply vanishes, because it's got into the shadow of the Earth. Yeah. And, um, you know, there, there's all sorts of things up there that, uh, you know, once you get used to being an astronomer uh, in your backyard, the initially inexplicable that become quite explicable.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's because it's, 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 it's a s- constantly astounding to me how much stuff is going on up there, mm. um, both in terms of man-made and sort of natural phenomena that, that just yeah. look strange.
1: That that lovely sensation you get when you look at Mars when it's close and your eyes are telling you that's a solid object. It's not a point source like a star. Yeah. And if you, if you, if you haven't been told that that's how we perceive planets, that we actually do have a sensation of that as a, as a roundness, then you could spend a long time wondering what that is. Yeah, very much so. Hmm.
0: Very much so. I mean, even just the experience, I, I was driving home once and there was a bright light on the horizon. And it kept getting brighter and bigger and brighter and bigger and brighter, and brighter and bigger, and it was sort of dusk. I couldn't figure out what it was, and it was literally, and not until it was maybe five hundred yards away from me that I realized, oh, it's a helicopter coming straight at me. And you know, and I'd, and I'd been able to see it from miles away, and it, it just, you know, if yeah. I turned away before it flew over me, I would never have known what it was, and I would yeah. always be, what was that strange light in the
1: sky? But I tell you what, the last the last interview I did um, about I Walk With Monsters, we started talking about UFOs about half an hour in and off we went. So I'm kind of hesitant. That's, there's more to me than that, destination <laughs> Venus. Shall I, I, shall you know, I be a I,
0: professional I, sort of interviewer and steer us towards a, an, another aspect of your work?
1: Thanks, because I, I mustn't do that every time. Because that's where <laughs> I was
0: going, actually, with Sourcer Country, because it's not finished. Mm. And there's clearly more story to come. Mm. Um, And I'm sorry if this might be a slightly a raw wound. I'm not quite sure how how attached you are to these characters or this series, but the Shadow Police. Oh, which was actually my my that was my introduction to your prose. Uh, I was familiar with your Doctor Who stuff. I was familiar with your comics, but I'd never heard any of your prose until I came across the Shadow Police, which I adored.
1: Thank you. I'm I'm a great um, I'm I'm invested, Um, and. it's going to be harder to bring them back than it is state. Um I mean, you know, it's uh, getting a, a publisher to publish books four and five of another publisher's series is always going to be a, a, a hard shout. And, um,
0: and one, two, and three presumably will remain with Tor.
1: Um, well, uh, I think I, I've got the right to move them on. But, you know, again, it's... What would be the cause of a publisher even publishing the whole line? You know, it's. Um, I think I've always said I've got to become more famous to make that happen, and uh, okay. so that's sort of one of my, the one of my long term goals to to get Shadow Police done. They would. Uh, the trouble is, the world's moved on since since they were around, and it's going to be. I, I always sort of published in real time. There's sort of what a year happening there. Mm. Um,
0: um, mm. I do it's wonder good. what Quill would make of all of this, though.
1: Wow, I mean, uh, rather like um Barry as John Constantine, he would be. I think he would. He would want to comment on how London has changed. Yeah, uh, yeah, how, how the soul of Britain has changed. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, and there must surely be some kind of supernatural thing we could hang on COVID. Oh, but um, I,
1: I'd sort of hesitate because people really getting killed. You know, I
0: suppose. sort of like, yeah. Suppose, but at but, the same time, I mean, normally, yes, normally I would shy away from something, you know, sort of creating fiction out of something that's been so devastating. But it's been such a huge part of everybody in the world's entire life experience that at the same yeah. time, it's like you sort of can't ignore it.
1: I, I just did a uh, uh, a short story for Wild Cards, for uh, their online blog, mm-hmm. um, where we actually bring the pandemic into the Wild Cards universe. We have have my character in lockdown with her mum. And um, there was quite some conversation about that in the Wild Cards mailing list, because, you know, the question is, um, you know, that universe knows viruses a lot better. Mm. And uh, and I I just said, you know, a virus is always gonna come along and kick mankind's bottom. It's um, whether or not they've already had vast experience. And uh, so I, I was finally allowed to do it. And um, but also a, a, a comic that hasn't been announced yet. On the first page, I talk about what happened during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and indeed... I well, um, Thank you for producing a time when it's over. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of assuming that by the time this comes... Anyway. Um, <laughs> but um, And also it's referenced in the Modern Frankenstein as well, the, the book I've got coming out next spring. So, you know, it's... I think we were all kind of holding off mentioning it in fiction, almost as if we were shying away from it. Um, but the book, I think, doesn't have to be about it in order to reference it simply because it's been the shape of our lives in a very science fictional way. The the nature of human existence how it changed very quickly there. Yeah. And um, yeah. Um, so I, I thought, well. I'll just I'll just tackle this head on and we'll start we'll start referencing it. But, um, hmm.
0: Yeah, I, I think there's not not really because we're going to get to a point where fiction that doesn't reference it is going
1: to feel unreal. Yeah, like I I watch shows now and I think a lot of people have had this experience. Um, and you go, oh, those people are all hugging and there's lots of them in that train and ah, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, I'm glad it's not just me.
0: Actually, even watching adverts, I'm kind of thinking, oh, they're all a bit close. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's weird times, very weird times. But uh, So what else is is upcoming in the world of Paul Cornell? As I mentioned. That that you can talk about. I know there are things you can't.
1: I've got a comic coming out um, next um, spring um, from Magma, which is a new imprint of heavy metal. Mm-hmm. Um called um the Modern Frankenstein with um Emma Vicelli um uh, and Pippa Bowland. Um Emma, Emma being uh, an artist who I've wanted to work for work with forever.
0: I've been a fan um, for a long time.
1: Mm, she's an old friend, and we've never quite got a project together, so it's nice to be doing this. And that's there's a a um there's a famous list of unethical experiments that uh, medical science could still do with knowing what the results would be. But um, absolutely nobody should ever do them. <laughs> um, and um, uh, our hero, and this is a world where the name of Frankenstein doesn't mean anything, um, our, our hero, our hero, our very much anti-hero, perhaps villain, um, is going to do them to to people he feels... Um, uh, can be can the world can do without, and um, our heroine um, is his student, who is going to maybe try and hold him back, maybe get seduced into the good that comes out of this, um, and they're having um, a kind of twisted romance at the same time. Um, so it's a lovely potboiler of gothic romance and horror. And uh, Emma Emma does that female gaze romance thing so well. Um, James Frankenstein is going to be the horniest man on earth, and um, it's um, uh, you know we're we're um, it's, it's because I love Peter Cushing's Frankenstein and the Hammers so much mm-hmm. because I I co-host a podcast Hammer House of Podcast about the Hammers in, in in UK release order and Cushing's Frankenstein. Is an extraordinary creation. Um, he's absolutely motivated by good. He wants to do good for humanity. And the in the first movie, he's certainly got a deeply misogynist streak. Um, but in the second movie, you might say in *Revenge of Frankenstein* that, that he doesn't do much that's actually ethically dubious, even. And, um, there's, um, th- uh, so there's, there's that tension always between the ends and the means. And I just wanted to do a, a book set right now about that. And, sounds, um, sounds fabulous. I'm, I'm delighted by what, we, what we've got here. And um, Pippa Bones' colours are great as well. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's exactly the book I'd want to do with Emma. It's got that, um, uh, she's very good at doing twisted robots.
0: Okay, well, I, I did say I didn't want to keep you very long, but there is just one thing I have to talk to you about before I let you go, um, because... Oh, is it well, Abelard Snaz? <laughs> <laughs> um, other members of the Geeks at the Gates Collective would never forgive me if I didn't talk to you about Doctor Who. Oh,
1: yes. I was going to say, I've got, I've got a 2000 AD coming out. Um, uh, have you? Yes, it, well, it will be out by the time people see this because it's um, it, it's out um, two days after we record this. Um, I've got I've got my first proper 2008 strip, which is a continuation of Alan Moore's greatest and most famous creation, Abelard Snazz.
0: Fantastic! I didn't know that, and I'm really excited now. All of a sudden, because I remember <laughs> reading the original Alan Moore yep. way way back in the day, because I'm old. That's fantastic.
1: Can you tell us anything about that? Are you allowed? Um, yes, um, it, the, <sighs> I'm going to have to look up the name of the artist, that's ridiculous, she's, she's amazing, um, and I've, I've had the name in my head for such a long time that, ah, uh... well, anyway, it's, um, just a short, but this is the first time I've worked for, um, uh, 2000 AD proper, I did some strips back for the magazine back in the day. That's and I was like itself astonishes me. Yeah, and I I did it simply because I I wanted to have my name in the annals of 2000 AD. So um, I emailed them and said, um, "Have you got any classic characters that have, you know, haven't been haven't haven't been uh, written lately?" And oh um, uh, yes, Anna Redmond, uh, Anna, Anna Redmond, Anna Redmond, um, who, and this is her first 2000 AD job, and it's amazing. It's detailed and beautiful, and um, and, of course, the colours once again by Peter Boland. Um, and um, I did think that it's pretty timely these days to have um, uh, a return of the uh, smartest um, being in the universe n- whose plans nevertheless always seem to be tripped up by his failure to grasp. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's about how stupid very smart people can be.
0: It seems to me entirely appropriate. Yeah, start to um, wear
1: wear a hoodie these days. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, and I suppose very smart people being very stupid brings us back to Doctor Who in a beautiful way. Oh yeah, so yes. Oh, yes. Um, no, it's a it's a funny. When I took over the comic shop, um, however long ago that was, now it feels like a lifetime. You had a comic coming out. Uh, I think it might have been Source a, a source of country actually, and I mentioned to Ian, my colleague, uh, who is a well-known hater of Doctor Who, um, that, oh, wow, this is by, this is by the Doctor Who writer, Paul Cornell. And he went, nah, nah, the comics writer, Paul Cornell.
1: (laughs) Um, Well, I like
0: it, I like it. (laughs) (laughs) But I, I've always really enjoyed your Doctor Who, um, stories. I, I, do you have anything else planned for The Doctor or are, are you now sort of heading more towards creator owned?
1: I'm, I'm very much in creator owned. I've, I've actually um, retired from Doctor Who um, a couple of years back. Um, but um, having said that, I've got a Doctor Who book coming out this week. Um, it's um, the, the, it's a collection of the um, stories done. Um, Emily Cook from Doctor Who magazine got uh, tweet-alongs going where the original creators of a bunch of who stories would add extra material and everybody would tweet about the story as it went along that night. And, um, uh, I did three separate ones, two of which for her. Um, and one, um, as requested by Chris Chibnall for the BBC website, it was bringing uh, creators from all directions to, uh, write new doctor who stories to entertain people during the lockdown and um so that's coming out um proceeds to children in need called doctor who adventures in lockdown um which is a lovely little paperback with um, some great public. Neil Gaiman people like that
0: available from all good bookshops mhm
1: um but no nah, i'm not going back it's um uh, i just i think i've i've said almost everything there is to say i've been writing doctor who for a quarter of a century on and off and, yes, um there. Hmm. Wow. And, um, okay, that does make me feel old now. In, in just about every medium. Um, and um, so, you know, I really want to have a pile of original work by the end of my life that, um, you know, kind of defines me in all directions. And I think increasingly I'm getting away from being the Doctor Who writer um, because it, it still very much is my label and mm-hmm. I sometimes feel like um a, a band who had a very successful hit single and not much else who um would love to get away at their concerts without playing there <laughs> i feel like EMF um <laughs> the yeah use a very nice reference oh my god that's where i'm from the 1990s but um the um uh but no i'm, I'm I'm, I'm at ease with it though. And I love that audience. So, I, mean, I, I I've gone back into the audience and sat down. And I love being a Doctor Who fan. Um, and uh, I still very much go to conventions. But again, I don't, I don't go to um, conventions like Gallifrey one in LA mm-hmm. um, to, to talk about my three episodes years ago. I, I, I run panel games and um, uh, come up with game shows and uh, do infrastructure. Um, and sort of use my privilege to get to do advanced fandom things rather than looking back on what I used to do things. Which I think is probably a very healthy thing to do. I hope so. I mean, I'm, I'm it, a lot of this is because I'm terrified of nostalgia. Um, I kind of view it as the waiting room for death. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm driven to sort of stay with the next thing and I often think that when I've retired I'll let myself relax a bit about this and start looking at all those the the comics collection I'm actually working on now and filling in gaps and building up Um, and you know I get a little buzz uh, um, from that when new issues come in when um, you know I get an old issue of uh, Defenders or Master of Kung Fu um, I, I look through it and go, oh, yes, I remember that. And then I sort of quickly seal it up and put it away before I <laughs> lured back to that.
0: Yeah, now I can relate. I can relate. <laughs> and I'm happy to confirm that you are very much more than a Doctor Who writer.
1: Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Um,
0: um, OK, um, I, I think I'll let you go because uh, I, I did. I actually did say this would be like a 10 or 15 minute thing. So, um Oh, i have enjoyed myself. Thank you very much. I've, I've trespassed on your afternoon significantly more than I intended, so <laughs> apologies for that. Um, obviously, um, I Walk With Monsters is available at all good comic shops, including Destination Venus, dear listener, on November the 25th. Where where, where can people find you if they want to know more about you and what you do?
1: Oh, my my um, website, paulcornell.com, or on Twitter, paul underscore cornell.
0: You do have a digital table at ThoughtBall
1: yes um we've um i'm going to put up a um a graphic and a link um in, in valhalla hall with uh everything i'm doing comics wise at the moment um including Edgar Allan Poe's sniffer blood which i haven't mentioned at all it's a lovely um, comedy horror anthology um but um also we've got a um video i walk with monsters um panel with all the creators uh, which will be in the fringe and there's a link to that there as well so um i'm, I'm it's so good to be part, again, of Thought Bubble. It's my favourite thing. Um, even if it's virtual, I'm always going to be there.
0: M- my favourite thing, too, actually. Not just because it's in Harrogate, although I suppose it isn't this year, it's everywhere. Um, but I've, I've loved it. So I think I've been to all of them except the first one. and um, I'm, I've, I've
1: been to at least six or seven
0: in a row. I've, I've, I've loved it every single year, and every single year has been better than the previous year. Um, and... Yeah. I I can't think of another con that I've been to regularly that I can say that about.
1: That's very much the case. Um, It's it's, it's a highlight of my year, always.
0: Yeah, yeah, mine too. Okay, okay, we will leave it there. Thanks very much.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. It's
0: wonderful to see you. It's been an absolute blast. Great to see you too. And uh, I will look forward to seeing you the thought See you in the real world next time, I hope. (laughs) Fingers crossed. Take care, Paul.
1: Bye, thank you. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to the Geeks at the Gate podcast. Find us on Facebook at Facebook.com/slash Geeks at the gate. Or contact us on Twitter at, Geeks at the gates. Or contact us by email on mail4geeksatthegates at gmail.com. That is the number four, not the word. Geeks at the Gates is a production of Venus Rising Media and is proudly made in Yorkshire.